as we continue this message series we've been in here for a few weeks called Stuck, Gaining Traction Through Truth and Action. And uh, you can follow along with the points in the scriptures for today on the Version Bible app. If you've got that, you can open up that app. You can hit uh, the more button in the bottom right-hand corner. It's going to open up a page. And then you can uh, hit events. And you can find us right there and follow along with the points in the scriptures. So we're going to read this morning from Matthew chapter 18. And uh, we're jumping into a place in this passage where Peter is approaching Jesus and he's asking him a question. And so we're going to begin reading in verse 21. It says this, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times Seven. Somebody say, wow. And then Jesus leads into a parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then Jesus closes with these words. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So in this series, Stuck, we began two weeks ago by talking about sins that snare. Last week we talked about perspectives that poison and before we get into what we're going to talk about next week, I want to talk to you about uh, what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk with you about what we're going to talk about next week. Because next week we're going to talk about something that I believe is going to impact a lot of people. Next week we're going to talk about pain that paralyzes. We're going to talk about how do we get unstuck if we've experienced a terminal sickness, disease, death, or a tragedy. And I realized over the last few weeks as I've been thinking about this and preparing and praying about this this coming Sunday that uh, I probably cannot do this Sunday justice. And, uh, and so next Sunday we're going we're gonna to have a special guest speaker. We're going to have somebody who is uh, one of the closest friends that Tressa and I have in our lives. And uh, she is a part of a bigger story that is, uh, that's one of, 
a story for us, a time where we went through a pain and a loss that paralyzes. Very quickly, I want to introduce you to this family. There, you'll see their picture. That's Jeremy and Ginger Robinson and their daughters, Madri and Mallory. And Jeremy and Ginger were the first pastors that we served under in ministry in northern Kentucky in the late 90s, early 2000s. For six years, we worked with them. <clears throat> they were just a few years older than us, and they, became, they were friends that became like family. And we remain very close with the Robinsons through the years. Jeremy is one of my absolute best friends. I count him a mentor in my life. And his girls, uh, they wound up at Lee University with Trent and Jaden. And they hung out. With, actually, they were here a few years ago when Campus Choir was here with that choir and became very close. But some of you know our story in that in, uh, in 2013, uh, Jeremy contracted... Uh, uh, cancer and battled cancer for a year and a half and in January of 2015 I may have just gotten those dates wrong I, forgive me if I did but he passed away and, uh, and so it was a, a really difficult time for us a difficult loss to experience but even more for Ginger and her girls and they moved from St. Louis where he was pastoring at the time a very strong and large growing church to Cleveland, Tennessee, close by family, to kind of rebuild their lives. And in that process, Ginger was connected with a ministry there in Cleveland called U-Turn that does a lot of counseling and ministering to people who are going through loss, who's going through divorce. And instead of her just being uh, a part of that ministry for her own health, she wound up on staff, wound up as a counselor and a leader in that ministry. And all through the years when her and Jeremy ministered together as pastors, she was uh, one of the most sought-after speakers in our denomination, a very great speaker uh, in her own right. And then a few months ago, she was asked to come on staff at the Westmore Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee. And that doesn't mean anything to most of y'all, but that's one of the largest churches in our denomination. And she was asked to come on staff and be the associate pastor. Now, how many of you know there's not a lot of lady associate pastors in the church of God or in any churches? And that's a big deal because she is a, a woman of God, a powerful communicator. She has a powerful story. And I called her a few weeks ago when I was talking and thinking about this message series, Stuck. And we talked on the phone for an hour and I took four or five pages of notes. And when I, when I pushed away from my notes and I looked at it, I thought, Les, you've been wanting to have her come speak. This is the date. And I called her and asked her, and I said, can you think you could come this day? And we worked it out. So she's going to pick off right where we've left off. Same series. I'll be here. I'm not taking a day off. I wouldn't miss it. But she's going to come and minister next Sunday. And here's what I want you to do. You need to invite somebody. You know somebody who's stuck in their life as a result of death as a result of a tragedy, and they've just not been able to move forward, please call them, please invite them, please bring them. I believe next Sunday God's going to do something powerful as we come together, okay? So be a part of that next week. Okay, what about today? Well, today we're going to talk about how we get unstuck from hurt that hinders. And so let me ask you something. When it comes to you and your hurt, who hurt you? Who betrayed you? Who lied to you? Who lied about you? Who abused you? Who mistreated you? 
probably for all of us, there's somebody, maybe multiple somebodies who we would say that we deal with some type of unforgiveness and bitterness because of something that somebody did to us. You know, if somebody hurts you once, it's easier to forgive, right? But if they're a repeat offender and it happens multiple times, it makes it more difficult to forgive. Perhaps it was a roommate who stole something from you. Maybe it was a kid at school who bullied you at school or bullied you on social media. Maybe it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend who lied to you and lied about you. Maybe it was a father that you wanted that father's love and affection and you never could seem to live up to what they wanted from you. Maybe it was a spouse that you trusted in and you believed in and they betrayed you and now you're on the other side of a divorce that you never thought would be in your story. Perhaps it's a pastor or a church a leader or a fellow believer who hurt you and that is a part of your story and you have genuinely experienced something that many people have unfortunately and that is church hurt. Maybe it was an authority figure that you looked to and you trusted and you admired and they touched you inappropriately or they physically or sexually abused you and they tried in some twisted way to make you feel like it was your fault and not theirs. Who betrayed you? Who hurt you? Why are you stuck in hurt that hinders? Now if you've experienced any of those hurt or one that I didn't mention, it's easy to be in a mindset of unforgiveness and bitterness And pain because what we just talked about is real. The pain is real. The scars are there. There is uh, a, a reason to justify how you feel. So what do you do to get out of this? And and, and do you really need to, to try to get out of it? I mean, do some people deserve not to be forgiven? Do, are some crimes so terrible that that person just doesn't? deserve your forgiveness. Well, today we're going to talk about how we can be free from, from hurt that hinders. And we'll use the same formula that we did when we got free from sin that snared two weeks ago and perspectives that poisoned last week. We're going to go back to our bike illustration and realize that if a, if a motorcycle or a four-wheeler or a car or a truck gets stuck, we've learned that in order to get unstuck, you need what? Help me. Traction. And we've said in this series, the way we get traction from any area where we are stuck is we do it with two things. We do it with truth and action. And we've been looking at John chapter 8. It's guess our, our theme verse for this series where Jesus said, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. That's the action. And the truth is you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so that you're not stuck anymore. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about what forgiveness is not. I'm going to give you three of those. We're going to talk about what forgiveness is. I'm going to give you three of those. And we're going to talk about three action steps of how we get unstuck. And today, as I was researching and preparing for this week, I, went to, I found two messages from two of my favorite preachers, uh, Craig Rochelle at Life Church and Jensen Franklin at Free Chapel. 
and I'm borrowing a lot of good stuff from them, okay? So I'm going to borrow some of their words and their illustrations today, so I want to give them credit. So are you ready this morning? Say, I'm ready. ready. All right, here we go. First of all, what forgiveness is not? Number one, forgiveness is not forgetting, okay? Forgiving somebody doesn't mean that you just forget it, that you wipe your brain, you wipe your memory, you have no recollection, you, you sweep it under the rug, and it's not saying that it wasn't wrong, and it's not saying that it wasn't sinful. It's also not being a doormat, because we're not called for, as for people who forgive to allow people to just walk all over us. You can forgive and create healthy boundaries. If someone has hurt you, you can say, we need to reestablish trust and there's a boundary that's going to be made before we can build that trust back. So truth number one, forgiveness is not forgetting. Truth number two, forgiveness is not fair. There's nothing fair about forgiveness. I let you off and now everything is gone. It's not natural. It's more natural to pay somebody back, okay? You hit my cheek, then I want to hit your cheek, right? I mean, you hurt my kids, then I want to hurt your kids. Oh, but Jesus said, pray for your enemies. And I'm like, I'll pray for my enemies. I'll pray that the next time you get stuck in gridlock traffic, all of the sudden you get the worst stomach bug you've ever had immediately. Oh, I'll pray for that. But really pray for my enemies? No, forgiveness isn't fair. And what I mean by that is this. It's interesting. We like it when God is not fair to us. But see, God is not always fair. You heard me right. God isn't fair. He's just, but He's not fair. Because if God was fair, we would all get what we deserve, right? Look at Psalms 103. It says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Somebody say, thank the Lord. He does not treat us or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. So that tells us that forgiveness isn't always fair. We don't get what we deserve. Amen? And so sometimes other people don't get what they deserve. Forgiveness isn't not forgetting. Forgiveness is not fair. And here's a third one. Forgiveness is not optional. <laughs> you don't get to choose whether or not you forgive somebody. See, many people feel like they have a good reason to hold a grudge and to be bitter. And maybe you do have a good reason. Maybe you could give me a printout and it could fill the floor of all the reasons why you should and you do hold a grudge for 5, 10, 20 years. There may be good reasons, but forgiveness is not optional. It does not mean that, uh, well, after I'm a Christian for five years or ten years or fifteen years, then eventually, after I do this long enough, then I can forgive somebody. It's not like playing a video game that you get to this level, and when you get to the highest level, the ten of the ten, then that's the Christian level. If you're a real Christian, then you can forgive people. No, forgiveness is not optional. Jesus' largest message, his most important message, Matthew 5 through seven, he says a whole lot about this. In Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, he says, You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay? So, so far, Jesus says that's the rules. But I'm going to tell you a new rule. Love your enemies 
and pray for those who persecute you. Not stomach bug. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says, I'm changing the rules of love and hate. Do you see that? Now you turn over one more chapter to Matthew chapter 6. He keeps going. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which in heaven, hallowed be thy name. da 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 We know the Lord's Prayer. But there is that line in there that says this and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Did those two things sound like they're holding hands? Yes, sir. Jesus says, our prayer should be, Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. They're not independent of each other. It's not two separate prayers. It's all worked into the same thing. So, Lord, as you forgive me, I'm going to forgive others. And then Jesus emphasized that even more. He's like, let me, let me come back to that in verse 14. And he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, somebody say, but. Watch this. Oh, this one is no fun. If you Do not forgive others their sins. Watch. Your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you see that? That is plain talking from Jesus. Jesus said, if you want God to forgive you, you are required to forgive others. Forgiveness is not optional. Forgiveness is not fair. Forgiveness is not forgetting. So what is forgiveness? Okay. Let me give you three things. Forgiveness is, first of all, it is giving others what God has given you. Okay? All right, now it's your turn. How many of you have received the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus? How many of you have have received more of God's goodness and love than you deserve? How many of you have applied 1 John 1.19? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Anybody ever applied that verse to your life? Anybody ever sinned, okay? Anybody ever missed the mark? Anybody passed the day when you asked God to come into your heart, day one, had to return and say, Lord, I blew it again. Oops, I did it. Again, okay? Boy, she should pray that prayer too, right? The gospel, listen to this, Craig Rochelle says, the gospel isn't just about receiving forgiveness, watch this, but about giving forgiveness. The gospel isn't just about, oh, I love that God loves me. It's that I love that I get to love others. It's not just receiving, it's giving. Another way to look at it is this. Forgiveness doesn't just flow to us as disciples of Jesus, but forgiveness flows, say it, through us. You see that? Forgiveness doesn't just flow to me, it gets to me so it can flow through me, okay? Look at the person beside you and say, how's your flow? Y'all watching at home today, how's your flow? You've received forgiveness, right? Oh, yeah. We, we sing it. We declare it. We Facebook it and Instagram it. But does forgiveness not just come to us, but flow through us? How is our flow? Look at this verse. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. Paul says, get rid. Get rid of some stuff. Okay? 
get unstuck from bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Have I got you yet? That, did that get anybody? Instead, read verse 32 with me out loud. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you see that? Okay. This is not just one. Oh, he just said it once. Really didn't mean it. It was just, it was an accident. It was in the New Testament. It's in there a lot. Okay. C.S. Lewis said it like this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That's powerful. And that's how we're called to live. Forgiveness is giving others what God has given you. Now, here's the second thing I want you to say. Forgiveness is losing count, not keeping score. Forgiveness is losing count, not keeping score. Now, now, Peter came with a math problem. Okay, He said, Jesus, how many times, in Matthew 18, our opening text, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Now, do you think when Jesus, Peter was thinking about that number, did he think about it intentionally? He said, I know Jesus. kind of know how he functions. I'm going to go high. Okay? It's kind of like when you're guessing somebody's age. You know, sometimes I see kids around the church, and, and, I, and I'm trying to guess what grade they're in. And I always try to go high. It's better to go high than go low. You know, If that little boy is in the fifth grade, and you, he looks like he's in the first, and you say first, you're going to crush that little kid. So Jesus tries to go high. I mean, Peter goes high. And he says, how many times, Lord? He's thinking, man, Jesus is going to think I'm, I'm the man. Seven times, Lord? Peter, Jesus like, Peter, you ain't even got started yet, man. Seven times, and Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, was Jesus saying 490 times? And some of y'all are thinking, I know some people who've hurt me that they're, they got to be getting close to 490. they got to be getting close, you know. No, this was not a math problem because Jesus was trying to say to us, look, it's not about keeping score it's about losing count it's not about keeping a score and, and, and keeping keeping a record on everybody now some of you remember in are old enough to remember in the 90s when Microsoft Office came out and one of the things that came with Microsoft Office was Excel how many of you use Excel spreadsheets as a part of your work okay you know Excel changed accounting right I mean you can put anything in those columns you can put dates and names and and, and when you put them in and you do it just right it'll give you the right formula if you put it in there right it'll spit out the right formula but you've got to put everything in there just right and I'm afraid that sometimes in the church, and this is kind of the way it was with, with Peter, we're thinking that we've got an Excel spreadsheet on people, and we're thinking maybe there's only, uh, I'm just going to keep a list of how many times people have hurt me. And, and, and it might look something like this. I, I got my Excel spreadsheet here, and it's, it's going to be on the screen so, so you can see it. So, so I'm going to make sure that I'm not offended and I'm not hurt by people. So I made me a sheet here. And I've got the years here on the left. And across I've got the people. So, so I'm, I, am, I am offended with my parents. 
because in 2003, they didn't go to my ball game. And now I'm going to write them down. I'm keeping score. And then when I got 16, my parents didn't buy me a new car like everybody else did. They just found a, an old 1974 piece of junk and said, here's your car. And they gave me that, and I'm, I'm keeping score. And then my friends, man, there's that friend of mine who, who stole my girlfriend, and I'll never forget. Every time I see him, I remember he stole my girlfriend. And I remember that friend who unfollowed me on social media. I am keeping notes on that friend. And then there's that group that did not invite me to the Super Bowl party this year. And I saw their pictures on Facebook and they had a good time. They didn't invite me and I'm going to put them. They're getting a column now. They're getting a column. They're going to get a spot. I'm, I'm keeping scoring. Coworkers who lied about me. They got That's a long one right there. I mean, they lied about me a lot. They took credit project and then I can't leave my spouse out you know my spouse she she's treated me ugly I mean she's been treating me ugly a long time 2004 to 2010 and then she sided with her mom she didn't say she was sorry and then and then she turned me down you know she had a headache you know I, I'm gonna write that down I'm not gonna forget that she turned me down she had a headache and then my kids didn't visit they didn't call and now I haven't even got warmed up now I'm gonna get one for the church and I've been to a lot of churches. So at Church A, I, I left there because they didn't speak to me the way I wanted them to. I left Church B because they didn't call me when, when I wanted them to. And now I'm at Church C, and I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen. And then I'm going to fill in for Church C. Anybody mad yet? Oh, you're in church. you got to love me. You don't got to like me. You do have to love me. But we have, Right? You may not have one of these, but in your mind, you may at some point have run a list like this. And here's the thing. If you keep putting the wrong formula in with an Excel spreadsheet, you cannot get the right equation. It kicks it back and says something is wrong. And if you keep holding on to this type of little stuff all the time, then you're going to live in physical, mental, and spiritual sickness because all you do is walk around and keep a list and keep score and put new columns and you just want to find the next thing to be offended about. And there's people who walk through those doors coming from somewhere else and they walk in with one of these. They got hurt at the last church and now they're walking in with that same hurt waiting to see who's going to hurt them here. Is that real? Yes. Is church hurt real? Absolutely. I'm not minimizing it, and I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm saying at some point we got to ditch that garbage and get rid of it. You cannot live your life filling up columns. You will be miserable. Forgiveness is losing count, not keeping score. What happened with the unmerciful servant story? The guy comes in. The king says, you owe me millions of dollars, so I'm going to sell you and your wife and your kids and everything you have to pay it off. He drops to his knees and he begs and he pleads, and the king's heart is turned, and he says, you're free. All your debt is free. You're free to go. And he walks out, and the first guy he sees, he takes him by the neck and says, you owe me $1,000. Pay up now. And the other servant saw it and went back and told the king. They said, you're not going to believe what that guy you just freed. You're not going to believe what he did. And Jesus said, when we are forgiven of millions of sins, 
And we keep a list on other people. We grab people in our mind and our spirit. And we say, you owe me something because you said something. Or you did something. Or you treated me bad. Jesus says, I can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. It's not optional. We are called to lose count, not keep score. Amen? And here's the third one. Forgiveness is fostering healing instead of festering hurt. Okay, now we're going to get a little gross this morning, okay? Remember when you're in elementary school or middle school, what's grosser than that? What's grosser than that? You remember those little things, okay? When you hear the word festering, it's, it's a gross word, okay? And even I looked up the definition. Oh, y'all, this is nasty. And I'm not, I'm not even going to put it on the screen so you don't have to read it. But fester means to form pus. Ugh. It's just nasty, okay? I looked up some, um, some thesaurus words, you know, some, some, some similes. Is that right? Synonyms, okay? All right, my first mistake of the day. <laughs> yeah, right. Some synonyms of fester intensify or rot, okay? So forgiveness is fostering healing instead of festering hurt. Instead of hurt just rotting and rotting. Forgiveness is I'm going to fest, I'm going to foster healing. Instead of festering hurt, it goes back to our dirt bike, okay? So remember we said that if I'm on the dirt bike and I get stuck, okay? We talked about this last week. And I just, I rev up this engine and I'm stuck. What's going to happen? The longer I'm stuck, the more what happens? I just keep spinning my wheels and I go deeper and deeper and deeper. And here's what happens when we, when we don't foster healing but fester hurt. This is, I'm festering hurt. When I, just, when I just grind on it and talk about it and it just stays on my mind and I keep the list that I've thrown across the room and I'm just, I'm festering, festering, festering. I'm just cranking out hurt and, I, and it feels good to crank it out, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm spinning my wheels. I'm running my mouth. I'm miserable. Everybody around me is miserable. And I'm spinning my wheels and dirt's going on everybody else because I'm getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And as a Christ follower, I am not called to fester, stinking, rotting, hurt. I'm called to foster healing. Yes, you got hurt. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it was real. We're not minimizing it all. But we are called out of darkness and into light and into life. So get off the bike and get on with it. God doesn't ask you to forgive to heal the other person. God asks you to forgive to heal you. To set you free. It's not about them. You will not have to stand before God for them. You're going to have to stand for God before you. You can't choose your wound, but you can choose your healing. Amen? Proverbs 17 says, whoever would, there's our word, foster love covers over an offense. But whoever repeats it, just repeating it over and over and over, separates close friends. You see that? Look at this next one. A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. He's saying you get free when you overlook offense. See, we need to get real good in the church of putting stuff on the shelf and moving on. Forgiveness is forgiving others, is giving others what God has given you. Forgiveness is losing count, not keeping score. Forgiveness is fostering healing. 
instead of festering hurt. So if we're going to gain traction from hurts that hinder through truth and action, there's the truth, what's the action? And we've been saying throughout this series, I want to see if anybody has been listening, truth is not the action. Good. Truth is not the action, okay? You've got to put something behind it. Jesus said, you remain faithful to my teachings. Have we talked about any of Jesus' teachings today? All right, well, we've already been giving it to you, okay? So here's how this works. I, I've got to put some stuff in to get unstuck. Now, watch this. You, you guys are going to like this. So when I was looking up a few weeks ago, just some different ideas about, you know, seeing what different websites said about how you get a car or, or, or truck or whatever unstuck. I'm, I'm thinking, I kind of know what it is. And like I told you, you know, a lot of things about traction. There was one website that the first thing they had on the website, how do you get a car unstuck? It said, no joking, number one, get out of the car. And I said, well, duh. <laughs> and this is what it said under that. Watch this. This was the paragraph under it. Get out of the car. If you have passengers in your car, everyone should get out of the vehicle, thereby reducing the amount of weight. This might at least stop your car from sinking deeper in the mud. Okay, that makes sense. So you know for every rule, every rule is written because somebody did something crazy, right? And they had to write the rule. So they had to write this because there were some people sitting in the car while somebody else is trying to pull it out. And I got to thinking about how that works with all of these that we're talking about. That a lot of times what happens is instead of taking the action steps, we're comfortable to sit in the car of our unforgiveness and our bitterness and our malice and our frustration. And it's more comfortable to sit right here than to get out and do the dirty work of getting unstuck. It's just like what Jesus said in John chapter 5 to the man who had been stuck for over 30 years at the pool. He said, do you want to get well? So my question for you today, if you're dealing with bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment or hatred towards someone and you've been carrying it around forever, do you want to get well? Or do you want to just stay right here? See, here's what happens. Lord, help me not to get mad. I see people all the time and their unresentment and their bitterness and their stuff that's a part of, part of, it's a part of their story, but it leaves their story and it becomes their identity. And they are not, they are not a person separate than the, I was hurt when this happened and this is who I am. And everything about their life, it goes through that lens. They function and deal with everybody through that. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Do you have some work to do? Yes. Do we all have some work to do? Yes. Are there three action steps I'm going to take after I stop getting mad? Yes. But don't let it become your identity. And that frustrates me because I see people who could be living in freedom, but they are still sitting in the car, and they're just sinking in the mud because Jesus is saying, do you want to get well? And it's like, I'm not so sure. I'm just kind of comfortable. Let's get well today, okay? Let's get out. Here, here's three steps to get traction from hurt that hinders. Number one is this, admit the conflict. Now, 
if you're tracking this morning and you're thinking about this, you're thinking, you know what, this is hard, and it is hard. There's a conflict inside of me. I don't want to let go of this because they don't deserve to be forgiven. And, and you, don't, you don't know. But Pastor, I hear you, but you don't know what they did to me. I don't know. I don't need to know, but I know what God's Word says. And I know God's Word has an answer for everything that we face in life. How do you know that? Watch this. This story of 7 times 70 was also told in Luke chapter 17. And it's a little bit different in the way it plays out. And it gives us something beautiful to go with this point of admitting the conflict. In this conversation, Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins against you, he's talking to his disciples, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, he's saying don't count, don't keep score. And seven times come back saying, I repent, you must Forgive them. Now watch. How do you think the disciples responded to this? Watch their response. The, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They're like, what are they saying? They're like, that's hard, Jesus. Like, I, they're like, I've got like a quarter of a tank of faith to help me function with that. Lord, I need you to come over and fill her up. I need more faith because I don't have enough faith to do what you're asking me to do. So that's this first point. The action step is admit the conflict. Jesus asked them to do a difficult thing. And so in our prayer and our communication with Jesus, we need to be honest and say, Jesus, this is hard. This is difficult. I need you to increase my faith so I can do what you're calling me to do. You know what they did. You saw what they did. You know what I've been through. But I've got to have your help to get through this. Do you see that? Listen to this. Faith enables us to see an opportunity for freedom where others only see an offense. And I thought about this yesterday. The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith to be able to forgive as you did. And watch what happens at the end of Jesus' life. The disciples Fall asleep on him, abandon him, and deny him. And they're all but John gone. John's the only one that the gospel tells us was at the cross. But on Easter Sunday afternoon, where do we find Jesus? Showing up in the room with those ten disciples. Judas is dead, Thomas is getting bread, whatever. And Jesus steps into the room and says one word, peace. Do you think that filled their faith tank to realize he could have never come back to that room? But he came back to that room to the men who denied him and abandoned him and fell asleep on him and said, boys, game on. I'm still going to build my church on you, Peter. Imagine the faith that was building those men to realize he still has confidence in us. Lord, increase our faith. Here we go. Admit the conflict. Jesus can take everything that you have to say about that. Action step number two is seek the Savior. Wow, that sounds like the same thing, Les. I mean, give me something different. Okay, listen to this. Let's, let's play this out. The only way to effectively release forgiveness is to start praying and ask God to release forgiveness through you. 
okay? That's the action step. You're going to have to, the action is to pray and talk to God about it. See, here's the thing. Instead of, instead of keeping the list all the time, throw the list in the garbage and start talking to him. Here's the thing, it's not usually a quick fix when it comes to this sort of thing. It's something that we have to do, and it's a deep work of God inside of us. It's a lot like Heinz 57 ketchup, okay? Y'all been wondering when we're going to talk about ketchup. And I'm not lying, my stomach just rumbled as I walked over to the ketchup. Ooh, I'm coming, I'm coming, all right? All right, plastic bottle, right? Take the top off, pop it off, and... Instant ketchup, right? I tried to find the good old glass Heinz 57. I can't find a glass Heinz 57 anymore. They don't, I guess they don't make them, but I did find his cousin. I mean, I mean Heinz uh, tomato ketchup. I did find his cousin Heinz 57, okay? So Heinz 57 is in a glass bottle, and if I take the top off and I pour it on my plate, it's going to come out how, y'all? Slow because contents are under pressure, okay? So it's going to take a while. And so some of us, we're not real patient because we're ready to eat. And so we're, we start doing this and slinging it, and it, it's still not even moving, right? And then we bang it, bang it, bang it. We try to get it out, and then we get a knife and do that. But do you know there's a secret? How many of you know the secret I'm about to tell you? Some of you know. So it's all the people who like to eat. I see you raise your hand. I see you raise your hand. You know the secret because somewhere along the way, if, if, it was, if it was the old ketchup bottle right here, there was a what? There was a 57 on the shoulder. And if you, if you turn it over and right there on the shoulder, okay, and on this one they say it, it is the 57. And if you tap that and you keep tapping it and you keep knocking, put up the next scripture, and you ask and you seek and you knock, contents were under what? When you have unforgiveness in your heart, contents are under pressure. You get the top off in point one, admit the conflict. I get the top off, God, I admit I need more faith. Come fill her up. I can't do this by myself. And you can't. We can't alone do this. It doesn't make sense. But then I start seeking the Savior. Jesus said, and y'all, it's in the same sermon. Talk about a good sermon. He not only says, okay, I want you to forgive your enemies and all that jazz. But I'm going to tell you in the next chapter, this is how you do it. Ask Seek, knock. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't stop praying. Stop griping about the list and start praying. Every time, it's like we talked about last week, capture that thought. That thought comes, man, that frustrates me. They hurt me. That's a part of my identity. Note, ask, seek, knock. And pressure on the inside will be released and what's been inside will get outside and it gets out and you feel so much better, right? Forgiveness a lot of time isn't a quick fix. It's a process. So admit the conflict, seek the Savior, and apply the truth. We've given you a lot of truth this morning. Let's review it. Forgiveness is giving others what God has given to me. Forgiveness is losing count, not keeping score. Forgiveness is fostering healing instead of festering hurt. It's capturing those thoughts and giving them to him as they happen. It's forgiving others. Ephesians 4, as Christ forgave you, it's getting rid of what? Bitterness, rage, 
anger, brawling, slander, malice. Get rid of that garbage. Those are festering words. Forgiveness doesn't just flow to us. Help me, it flows through us. Y'all are getting it, okay? And I cannot uh, get healing from hurts that hinder unless I allow that forgiveness to flow through me. See, Paul says this is the way you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, but not anymore. In, Ephesians, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, Paul said this about love. It's patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way, it's not irritable. And here it comes, it keeps no record of being wronged. Now that's different than what we said a while ago about forgetting. Well, I thought you said that forgiveness is not forgetting. No, you're not going to physically be able to forget it. But there's a big difference between not being able to forgive it and walking around with a clipboard all the time, keeping columns and keeping score, right? You see the difference? Don't keep a record of being wronged. And once again, I'm giving you a two-for-one today because this is just like a marriage conference. This is great advice for your marriage. Because guess what a good marriage is? A good marriage and a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Y'all who've been married a long time know that. You know you got to get good at forgiving. You got to get good at putting stuff on the shelf. You got to get good at not getting mad about the stuff that don't matter. Jesus said in Matthew 5, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Really? Yes. Not the, not the stomach bug thing, but pray for those who are hurt you. And here's the last one I want to show you, Kevin, if you'll come and begin to play. If it's possible, if you can do it, as far as it depends on you, probably no scripture in all the Bible has more, more, more pre-statements than this one. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, with everything you can, what? Live at peace with who? Everyone. Do everything you can to live at peace. Admit the conflict. Seek the Savior. Apply the truth. Let me end with this um, illustration today. This week I was at a, uh, I was at a funeral. And uh, at that funeral they, they sang the song, It Is Well. It Is Well With My Soul. And as I was listening to that, that song, and as I listened to the second verse of that song, the Lord downloaded a, this, this ending illustration in my heart. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. It's like, here's the way we end the message Sunday. I want you to see these words to verse 2 of it is well with my soul. My sin, all the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. It's obvious that the writer of this song was familiar with Paul's words in Colossians when he said that he forgave us of our sins. He's taking our sins away and nailed them to the cross. Do you remember that verse in Colossians? So the writer... Of it as well pulls from that, and I and I had this image in my mind of, okay, if our sins that we bear no more have been, <clears throat> excuse me, nailed to the cross, it's kind of like this. Before I come to Jesus, I've got 
burdens of sin that I bear all the time. The sin of my past is heavy. The sin of my past is weighty. It's dark. It weighs me down. It's a burden. But Jesus comes along and he said, you're forgiven. He said, I cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. You don't deserve it, but if you'll bring your sin to me, all you who are heavy laden, cast your cares upon me. Leave your sins at the foot of the cross. And I'd say most people here this morning who are who are in this room and most people who are watching on live stream know what I'm talking about. You remember that moment. You remember when you came to the Lord. Do you remember that? And, and you heard what God said and you took those sins and those burdens and your past and you took it where? To the cross, just like Colossians said. And as the song said, I bear it no more and I leave my sin at the foot of the cross and I walk in freedom, right? I walk in freedom. Then what's on my other shoulder? Because here's what happens, y'all. We'll leave our sins at the cross. I bear mine no more, but I'll keep carrying everybody else's around with me. Everybody else's reproach, what everybody else has done to me, what everybody else has said to me, the pain from my past, the situations that I've dealt with, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. I bear this all the time. I keep carrying everybody else's sin. And this is equally big and it's weighty and it's black and it's ugly and it weights me down and I may be free of my sin but I'm not free of their sin is this the way God intended you and I to live see they, they did that to you but it's not your sin it's their sin it's like this watch this unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness serving time for someone else's crime that's what unforgiveness is. Read that. Let that sink in. It's living with somebody else's sin weight on your shoulder. But, everybody say but. Listen to this. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to say, just like I took my sins to the cross and God forgave me, I can't do anything about what they did. The only thing I can do is I can take that to the cross and I can release that weight of all that they did and I'm going to leave my bitterness, I'm going to leave my resentment, I'm going to leave my unforgiveness, what everybody else did for me. I'm tearing up the, the list and the columns. I'm leaving them at the cross and now I am free, free, free. Hallelujah. Praise God. I am free. Amen. Do you see that? Here's the summary of the message today. We're not asking how much forgiveness do they deserve. That's not what we're asking today. What we're asking is how much freedom do you want? Do you want to be free of just your sins? Or do you want to be free of all of it? Let's stand together this morning. As we come to the end of this message today and ask that question as the worship team comes and we get ready to close out today. 
If you're here this morning, perhaps you would say, Pastor, I've listened to what you've had to say today and, and, and you're talking to me. Maybe you're watching on live stream today and you know that, that I'm talking to you. You've dealt with some unforgiveness, some bitterness, some stuff in your past. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning that's going to be very brave. I'm going to ask you to do something that will be a first step, literally, physically. I'm going to ask you to do something in the natural that I believe is going to start a process in you in the spiritual. A process, okay? If the Lord has spoken to you at all through this message today, and you say, Pastor, you've been talking to me, and I'm dealing with a load... Maybe one little thing. It may be a small trash bag. It may be a bathroom trash bag. Not one from the life center like that one. But I'm dealing with some trash, some unforgiveness. And today I want to take the first step to say I want to be free. Will you come and meet me in this altar? I'm going to pray with you. Come on, anybody this morning? Anybody say I want to be free today? I'm, I'm going to make the, a step of faith today and say I want to be free of that thing that I've dealt with for so long. Today's it. I don't want to walk back out of this room with it. I want to be free. I want to forgive. I want to leave the bitterness and the anger and the hurt and the resentment. I can't change what they did to me, but I can change how I respond to it. Amen? Amen. Come on, anybody else today? Well, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful thing today. You guys have come today, and this is a brave thing that you've done. And we're going to believe together today that God is going to work in your life, and this is going to be the first step of a process. This is step one. Right now, what you just did, you just took the top off, okay? You just took the top off. We're going to turn it over here in a second. We're going to start asking and seeing and knocking and asking God to do something in our lives today. Let's bow our heads this morning. God, I thank you so much that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die in our place. And God, I thank you, Lord, for these men and women and these students who stand here today. And I thank you, God, for what you've done in their lives and how you've spoken to them this morning. And this morning, we take the top off today. And by taking this first step, we admit the conflict. This is hard. This is difficult, God. We cannot do this on our own. So, Lord, we say increase our faith. Will you pray that right now in this room? Everybody here today, if you're out there and you need to pray it, or here in this altar, will you just pray, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I pray the prayer of the disciples. Increase my faith that I can forgive as you call me to forgive. Lord, increase my faith that I can put the past in the past. God, increase my faith that I can leave bitterness and anger and resentment in my rear view mirror. Lord, right now, we cry out to you. And I pray, Lord, with these who are here in the altar, God, we cannot do this on our own. We admit the conflict. We admit the battle. God, touch us today. Touch us in this situation, we pray. Now, Lord, we seek you as the Savior. And we cry out to you, Lord, where you said, ask, seek, and knock. If you're here in this altar today, will you just begin to talk to him and say, God, I need your help. I ask you to help me to forgive. I forgive them in Jesus' name. I leave my bitterness here in Jesus' name. Come on, say those things out. Whatever it is for you, Lord, I leave my anger here in Jesus' name. I scratch them off my list. I get rid of my list in Jesus' name. I seek the Savior. 
ask, seek, knock. I ask, I seek, and I knock. And Lord, we apply the truth in your word today. We apply the truth in your word. We pray for those who have hurt us, God. We put aside bitterness and rage and anger and slander. And God, we give it all to you today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we pray for freedom in every life. In every situation today, God. Come on, guys. Let's sing it out together today. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It all come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes new life is born Jesus is calling oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Yeah. 
forgive others that you do that work in us and through us so God what you've done in us we pray you'll continue to do it through us God give us the strength to walk out the word that we've heard today Holy Spirit remind us of it every day God help us to be able to see this come alive in our hearts and Lord we declare over these lives in this house we declare Lord over those who are watching by live stream the words of Jesus that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free in Jesus name we pray amen amen God bless you thank you for being in worship today we'll see you Wednesday night at seven o'clock for family ministries night have a good rest of the afternoon